right, all right. Hello, everybody, and thank you for listening in, or if you're watching on the new YouTube channel. Today, I am talking to Abdul Ghani Shehu. He is the founder and chief content strategist at Your Content Mart. Abdul Ghani, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Benjamin. Glad to be here. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Curious to know, actually. I should have asked you before, but whereabouts are you based? Well, I'm based in Nigeria. Aha. Okay. Got it. So that makes a lot of sense. Great stuff. To get us started, I usually ask people, you know, what is the origin story of their company? So do you mind telling us a little bit about your content, Mart, and how did you start it? Uh, Sure. So that's a great question. Your content, Mart, like I actually started it in January, 2021. So, but before then, I had experience working as a freelance writer for B2B SaaS companies like over five years ago now. When I was working as a freelance writer, I started learning content marketing and SEO, like just to know more about how the content that I create for clients, how exactly does it impact their pipeline? So that was what led me to learn about content marketing and SEO. And after I've garnered enough experience, I initially started a link building agency whereby we help um, clients to get to build backlinks to grow their organic traffic. But unfortunately, that didn't work out well. So it was during COVID, that was around 2020 when I launched the link building agency. So, but when I figured out that it was not really working out like as supposed, so I decided to pivot. So, and since content marketing is something that I do for clients on a consistent basis, and it is something that I found really interesting. So I felt that why not use the experience I've gathered over the years to also start my own content marketing agency. So, and that was how I took a, a bet on myself for the second time to, to launch an agency, which I did. And like since 2021 up to date, so we've been in existence and that's like something that I'm really proud of. And at your content, Matt, what we typically help our clients to do is we help them to acquire user signups and drive MRR, like, and to, to grow their MRR and using ROI-driven content marketing. So because we believe that content marketing isn't just for the sake of creating content alone, it should impact your pipeline. It should help you to increase your revenue. It should have a an impact that you could see in your company. So that's exactly what we do at um, your content mat. And so far we've helped a lot of B2B SaaS startups to gain organic traffic from Google and to also drive um, user signups um, in the process. Something that you have a, a bit of a, a following for on Twitter, as far as I can see, is particularly mid-funnel content. I'm curious why focus here? Because it I've noticed a lot of content agencies typically focus just generally across the whole funnel, but why mid-funnel content in particular? Mid-funnel and bottom funnels. Yeah, sure. So middle of the funnel content and bottom of the funnel content. Yes, that's exactly what we focus on at our agency. So, and the reason for that is is simple. So I figured out when I, before I launched your content, Matt, I had series of, conversations and interviews with SaaS founders. And I figured out that like one of their biggest challenges is like, how do they drive revenue from content marketing? So because a lot of startups are creating content, but they can't see, like they can't say exactly how that content is impacting their revenue. Like from further research, I found out that one of the biggest reasons why that is so is because they are focusing on top of the funnel content or generic content as you put it so let's say for instance i want to or i i just launched an email marketing software so some of the keywords that content marketers will typically get started with 
by targeting. Target, let's say, what is email marketing? Uh, let's say email marketing best practices, email marketing tips, and so on and so forth. So why these keywords are generally good? So it has two fundamental problems. So the first problem is that to rank for top of the funnel keywords like this, it takes a lot of time. Okay, so uh, it will take you typically years in, in some cases, or even at least months. And even not just only that, you have to invest tons of resources. So because let's say you want to outrank websites that are ranking for what is email marketing. You have the likes of Wikipedia, Neopatel, MailChimp, Optin Monster, and and a lot of them like that already ranking for this keyword. So as a SaaS startup, how will you be able to outrank them? Because they've garnered tons of backlinks. They have domain authority over the years. So it will be difficult. So that is the first issue with this top of top of the funnel um, content. And the second issue, which is even much more critical, is that for a keyword like what is email marketing, now put yourself in the shoe of someone searching for that keyword. What exactly do they want? The simple answer is that someone like that most likely is not looking for an email marketing software. Most likely they are just like trying to know what email marketing is. It could just be that they heard it from a friend, just maybe discussing it like there's this new concept known as email marketing. So they decide to Google and know more about it. So there isn't any buying intent there. So when you focus on keywords like that, you start the chance of not even driving business results for your company. So that is why we we like we focus mostly on middle of the funnel and bottom of the funnel content because we've realized that keywords like that drive business results for companies. So people searching for middle of the funnel and bottom of the funnel content as they are more in the mood to buy or even if they are not ready to buy now, they are solution aware. So they know what the solutions they are looking for is or even some cases they are product aware. They know the products that will help them to solve the problems um, that they have. So this is why we typically focus more on middle of the funnel and bottom of the funnel content. All right, that makes a lot of sense. So what you're saying here is, you know, top of funnel is going to take you a very long time to rank for, and there's not enough buying intent there in order to create a business outcome, such as a trial sign-up. What are some good examples or archetypes of middle funnel and bottom of funnel content that you see working? Yes. So there are like several examples. So, but some that come to mind right now, we have um, comparison posts, we have alternative posts, we also have um, product use cases and features posts, then we also have templates pages. There's also best like X for Y, something like that. So like those are some of some examples of um, middle of the funnel and um, bottom of the funnel content that comes to mind. Yeah, perfect. Just to make sure that's clear, what would be the difference between the alternative and comparison and best posts? Because you could imagine the best would seem to overlap with alternative, for example, and comparison. Let's start from product use cases and features. So like a product use cases and features, like you just identify the use cases of your product and the features and you you create a page or a post on your website targeting that. So let's say, for instance, uh, you, you have um, a productivity tool that helps people to use Twitter better. So some of the product use cases or features posts that you could create, like you could target something like Twitter scheduling app or Twitter scheduling software, Twitter trade generator, Twitter trade maker, Twitter analytics software, and on and on. So these are keywords that typically show that someone searching for these is using is looking for a specific use case or feature. An example of templates post, let's say, you know, everyone wants, if you want to start something, let's say as a podcaster, you want a template that you could use maybe to interview 
guests or for other things like that. So this is where templates posts come in. So let's say um, you have um, a software that helps people to sign contracts online. So you can create different templates posts, like let's say SEO contract templates. You could also create something like payment lease agreement templates, contract agreement templates, something like restaurants, business templates. Like there, there are a lot of examples that come into play um, regarding that. So that's for templates. So we also have best X for Y. So best X for Y typically overlap with alternatives, but they are not really the same thing. Okay, I, uh, for for the best X for Y post, let's say you have, um, let's say productivity tool that helps remote workers. So you could create best posts like best calendar apps, best daily planner apps, best productivity tools for remote workers, best digital planner apps, and so on and so forth. So like these are solution aware posts. Like the, the person looking for a best post knows the solution they are looking for, but they don't know the products that will help them. So in the case of an alternative post, someone searching for an alternative post typically have an idea of the products. So let's say like uh, you, you just launched an email marketing software. So someone might be looking for Ahrefs alternatives, SEMrush alternatives, okay, Moz alternatives. So what this typically show is that the, the person knows all these products, all these top products in the SEO niche, but they are looking for an alternative to them. So that is where alternatives posts come into play. Then for the comparison posts, so this is where you compare one product against the other, okay? It could also come in, in like where you could also compare your top competitors against one another. So let's say SendFox, for instance, and it's an email marketing software. So like you could create posts like SendFox versus MailChimp, SendFox versus ConvertKit, SendFox versus GetResponse, SendFox versus Aweber. Okay, so this, this is for the first part of the comparison post. For the second part where you compare two competitors or more against one another, so they could create posts like ConvertKit versus MailChimp. Aweber versus Active Campaign. Let's say Sending Blue versus Aweber or anything like that. So, like you are comparing other competitors in your niche. So, these are some of the um, nuances or like some of the examples for these comparison posts. When you do the alternative posts, is it better to list just one alternative or is it and go deep on that one or is it better to share multiple options? Based on my experience, I would say that it is better to share multiple options. So because someone searching for alternatives, like typically they've tried an option. Sometimes they might not, but like that's what we we tend to believe that they've tried an option and they are searching for alternatives to that specific option. So it is better for you to create a listicle, listing different alternatives. Though I will recommend that companies that want to go this route, they should start by listing their products as the first alternative. So because before, like a reader typically completes reading the article, they might if you list your product in the middle or the end, they might not even get up to that point before they close the page. So typically you should start with your product as the first alternative, then before you mention other alternatives. When it comes to listicles with multiple products, is there a certain number that you recommend or does it depend on the competition? So you can see sometimes they have these mega posts which are like 20 different products. As an example, I would imagine there is a point at which you should stop. Just as they will say in marketing, it depends, okay? So like in situations like that, what I recommend is that you should check the subs, okay? You should check the ranking pages for that keyword. So it depends on like what you see on the subs. 
that should determine how you approach it. But for us, we typically don't go beyond seven or let's say nine alternatives for each post. So, but sometimes you might eventually see that when you check the SERPs, all the pages that are ranking are maybe listing 20 alternatives, 54, 37, and, and on. Even some might go as, as far as 101 and even more than that. So what I would recommend in that case is if the SERPs indicate that people are looking for multiple options, so it could happen. So let's say, let's, let me give an example here. Let's say um, someone searching for content marketing tools. Okay, so, you know, content marketing is broad. There are different tools when it comes to content marketing. So you you are talking about content writing tools, content editing tools, content strategy tools, keyword research tools, content optimization tools, and on and on. Okay, like I could list about 10 categories when it comes to content marketing. So if you are targeting a keyword like that, it might make sense, depending on what is on the subs, to go in depth and touch on all these different different categories of content marketing tools and list the tools that will help the user or the reader like to achieve a specific um, objective or a specific problem that they that they have. So that's how I would typically approach it. That's a great marketing answer. That it depends. <laughs> Personally, I hate hearing that it depends, but it, it's definitely very true and applicable. So based on what you said there is you need to look at the SERP results to see whether or not there is a certain amount of tools mentioned, I guess, by your competitors and probably yes. don't go beyond seven or nine. But you might, if it's a very broad category, like you mentioned, content marketing tools, it could be something like best design tools as well. You could imagine yes. there's some for covers and etc. Got it. Do you find that listing the number of tools that you've reviewed and the year increases click-through rate? You see a lot of that on on the SERPs where it's like the top five tools for 2022. Do you find that that makes a difference? I don't think it really does. So, but mostly like why marketers do include that is sometimes people searching for these um, tools they want an updated version, like of a list, an updated version of a listicle that, like, they don't want something that is outdated. Okay. And that makes a lot of sense. So, because this 2022, if someone is searching for, um, let's say, best design tools, so it is possible that a post that was written about best design tools in 2019 might not really be relevant today. So because there are a lot of design tools out there today that we are not there about three years ago. So this is why, like, I believe marketers usually include the date so that anyone searching could see that this is a recent review and not something that is outdated. So the only thing I would say is that if you want to go that route, what I would recommend is make sure that you always update the date every year. So that is the downside of that because if you don't update the dates, like you wrote a post about best design tools in 2022 and it is 2025 and you've not yet updated the dates. So what that means is that no one will click on your article to read it. So if you want to go that route, always make sure that you update um, the dates. And did you find that listing the number of tools that you've reviewed in these listicles helps with the click-through rate as well? I believe it does. I believe it does. So, and like, because that is what the search intent typically shows. You know, I recommend that before you create any piece of content, always check, try to Google that keyword to see what like others have written about it. So it helps you to know what you could do better and it helps you to know if you even have any chance of ranking, like what could be the angle you could come up with to stand a chance of even ranking much more better on the subs. So I would say listing the, the number of tools, it helps with click-through rate. I don't think it have um, any negative impact uh, whatsoever. 
You mentioned there the angle against your competition. Do you mind sharing some examples of what that might be? Yes, when we say the angle, so let's say, for instance, that still using the examples that I, I just shared, like content marketing tools, if you check the subs, you, you observe that most of the articles ranking, none of them categorize their tools based on what the reader might find useful. So let's say they just list 20 content marketing tools and there's no category, okay? So you could come with a different angle whereby you categorize like each section. So you can say, if you want um, a content um, writing tool, these are the content writing tools, it's still on that content marketing, content editing tools, design tools, and all this. So that could also be a way to, to that, like that is a way to have an angle regarding it. Like you are not restricting yourself to what, others have done. So another way to have an angle is, let's say you are listing an alternative post, You're sorry, you are writing an alternative post and you you saw that all the listicles ranking, there's not, none of them have a specific category. So let's say maybe you want to write an alternative post for SEMrush alternatives, okay? So like, and you could see that they were just, they, all the other articles are just listing the alternatives, okay, without saying that this is specifically for X. So you could come up with something like best SEMrush alternative for small businesses, SEMrush alternatives for agencies, SEMrush alternatives for e-commerce business owners, okay, SEMrush alternatives for, for this. So like that way you are coming up with another angle that no one else on the SERPs have, have done, which also helps people to engage more with your post and definitely help with the, the time on page and how authoritative that Google sees that your content is. So when it comes to middle funnel and bottom funnel topics, how do you go about discovering opportunities? That's um, a very good question. But before I delve into how I discover, we discover opportunities, I would like to talk about the, the mistake I see a lot of companies make when they want to discover opportunities. So because most content marketers, they rely on SEO tools when it comes to keyword research. So if they want to go after any keyword, they first verify or they, they try to validate it with an SEO tool. So if that keyword doesn't have a search volume, they don't go after it. So, and the problem with this is that most keyword research tools are not perfect. And even when it comes to keywords that are more middle of the funnel and bottom of the funnel, if you check them on most SEO tools, they will return maybe a zero search volume or even a search volume that is less than 50. So, and that is um, kind of demoralizing for marketers, so they feel, feel that if no one is searching for this keyword, why should I go after it? So that brings me to how we discover the opportunity. So like the way we typically go about it is we start with audience research. So we ask questions about your audience. We want to know why are they using your software? Okay. What are the, the best use cases? Like what exactly do they find most useful? about your software, okay? Other competitors, were they exploring before or even using before deciding to use your software? And like, what are the pain points that they have, like that they, they now see that your software is helping them to solve and on and on. So those are some of the things that we ask. So we do audience research. So that way we have an idea of what your audience actually wants. So after the audience research, we now go to the next step, which is the validation. So we typically validate using Google Auto-Suggest. So Google Auto-Suggest is free for anyone to use. Just Google the keyword that you want to rank for, most best with using an incognito browser. So when you do that, Google will auto-suggest keywords that people are searching for. Okay, so if Google doesn't auto-suggest it, chances are that no one is yet searching for that keyword. If someone is searching for that keyword, Google will typically auto-suggest it. So let's say, for instance, you want to write a, 
you are HubSpot, so you want to compare HubSpot against your competitors. So you, you could just typically Google HubSpot versus HubSpot VS. Just um, spread the space, but Google will also suggest all the different options like that you could target with a keyword um, like that. So that's the way we validate that keyword. We believe, and even in most cases, after validating some of those keywords, if you check them on the SEO tools, they will still return zero search volume. So, but because we follow a process that we, we start with the audience and we verify with Google Auto Suggest, it helps us to get the best out of it. So, like, that's typically how we identify these um, middle of the funnel and bottom of the funnel keyword opportunities. Yeah, that's a great technique. I can say from personal experience that I have searched a lot of keywords that show up as, zo- uh, as zero on these search optimization tools so they are yeah very discouraging when you see that um, and then you can end up in some <laughs> some weird places when you try to find the the keywords so when people are writing this middle funnel and bottom funnel content what do they tend to get wrong okay so when writing middle of the funnel and bottom of the funnel content like dial some things that I see that companies get wrong. Um, the first one I will say mismatch in the search intent. So I've mentioned search intent previously. So like typically what that means is put yourself in the shoes of someone searching for that keyword. What exactly are they looking for? Give that to them. That's just it. So don't try to create a post when someone is looking for uh, so don't try to create a blog post when someone is looking for a tool, okay? And don't try to create a listicle when someone is comparison, like when someone is looking for a comparison post. Don't try to create a or a landing page when someone is looking for a template, okay? So it just, it's all about understanding the search intent. So this is a mistake that I see a lot of, content marketers uh, or companies make with these um, kind of keywords. So they, there's a search intent uh, mismatch. So what they are, they, the content they are creating is different from what someone is um, typically searching for. So that's uh, and a, a, a good example of this, based on my experience, is a lot of companies try to interchange a comparison and an alternative post. So even though because there isn't a lot of um, focus on those, so there is a, like, sometimes Google will, if you are searching for a, if a comparison post, you see an alternative post, where sometimes if you are searching for an alternative post, you see a comparison post. But I would recommend that for, a, for comparison post, it's best for you to approach it, like compare one product against the other. But for alternative posts, it's best for you to approach it with a listicle. So don't approach an alternative post with a comparison post. So let's say someone's searching for Ahrefs alternatives. List the list, the, the alternatives to Ahrefs. Don't approach Ahrefs alternative with a comparison post comparing, let's say, SEMrush and Ahrefs. Okay, so that's also um, another mistake that I see. Then another thing that I see that, especially on the subs, is that I see some companies creating alternatives that are unrelated to what they are doing. So because maybe they, they feel that there's an opportunity here. And that still brings us to the point I mentioned earlier, whereby a lot of companies approach content marketing and SEO as a traffic generation generation channel and not a customer acquisition channel, okay? So they approach content marketing like as a way to get more organic traffic and not a way to get more customers. So because I don't see a reason why a web hosting company would be writing an alternative post for an email marketing software, okay? I don't see any reason why because if you do that, what exactly do you want to gain from it? Like, what exactly, if you get traffic, do you think the traffic, someone searching for less than alternatives to 
convert kids they are looking for an email marketing software and not a web hosting company so it is best for you to know where like don't try to use an alternative post as a traffic acquisition channel focus on it as a customer acquisition channel and you see how you get more results that way so once you have these articles in place uh, and you see them starting to rank over time how do you measure the performance that's a very great question when it comes to measuring the performance of these articles like there are different ways to go about it so but the first thing we we'll typically do is um, we check the rankings let's say after some weeks or even some months okay check the rankings so if you are not ranking high for that keyword then something might be wrong with your approach to it. So because typically these keywords are like, they, they are underserved. So uh, a lot of articles ranking for them on Google are not even doing justice to the keyword. So if you could create a piece of content that actually matches the search intent, like there's nothing stopping you from ranking on Google within a few days or even weeks. Okay, ranking high on Google. So like check the ranking. That's how you measure if you are doing the right things. The another thing I also recommend is you check the conversion. Okay, so like the, the conversion rate, how are these the visitors, how are they converting into user signups? Or depending on what your goals are, maybe user signups or demos or maybe leads. So it depends. So you want to check that as well. So typically we see that posts like this, they convert at about 5 to 15%. Okay, so like that's what we see as our agencies. Though some people might see lower than that. So depending on how um, competitive your, your niche is. So that's also another thing you want to measure. The another thing you also likely want to measure is you want to check if, maybe your your sales department, like if your customers, new customers are referencing this article, okay, when they have conversions with your, the, the conversations with your sales department. So are they referencing these articles, like this, why they decide to use your software because they read, they read an XYZ article. So that's another thing to also check out for. And finally, I would say, also compare the conversion rate from the middle of the funnel and bottom of the funnel content. Compare it with the top of the funnel content. So typically, the conversion rate from top of the funnel content is lower. So if you see a situation whereby the conversion rate from the top of the funnel content is higher than the middle and bottom of the funnel content, then that's something you also want to check out for. So like, these are some of the ways we typically measure the results from these um, articles. So when you mentioned the conversion rate, sorry, was that 5 to 15%, did you say? Yes, 5 to 15%. That's what we typically see with our clients. Perfect. And then you mentioned if the conversion rate is higher on your top of funnel content compared to a new middle funnel or bottom funnel content piece, then you you may want to rethink the work. What has possibly gone wrong? Because there are a lot of things that impact the conversion rates. So it depends on how well you are ranking for for that um, keyword. So are you ranking in the top, in the top um, position? Are people clicking on your article? Are they actually reading it? Like, or are they bouncing off immediately once they stumble on your page? So there are a lot of things that could affect um, your conversion rate. It could also be perhaps maybe the user experience on your website is poor and like, and maybe it is really difficult for people to sign up. So that could also be something that is um, affecting, but you just, you have to check that like uh, if, if maybe you are ranking on the the bottom of the first page, uh, so you are ranking on the bottom of the first page for a bottom of the funnel content, and the top of the funnel content is ranking on like ranking number one. Okay, so there are chances that that could be the reason. So in that case, you might want to promote the the post more 
get more backlinks to it and uh, maybe optimize it further to ensure that you move higher and get more conversions from there. Once you have gone through the process and you're measuring the performance of the content, is there a point at which you can expand it to be promoted on social media or do you need to look at a different type of middle and bottom funnel content format in order for it to work on social media? So what I would say as far as I'm promoting, it's depending on the type of bottom of the funnel content. So, but typically not all like bottom of the funnel content can be promoted on social media. So although you can just like send it to your newsletter or to your um, email list, try to get the word out there about it. So, but typically not all of them could be promoted the way you promote a post on social media because sometimes it could look salesy, like you are writing, like you are comparing yourself against a competitor or an alternative to a competitor. So that might look somehow especially on social media. So, and um, even aside from that, people searching for these keywords typically do so on Google. So no one goes to social media to know like how you compare to your, how your software compares to a competitor, like typically. So, but if for instance, you have a listicle, like maybe a best tools now, let's say a best um, email marketing tools, Okay, so in that case, you could promote it on social media. So, for instance, you could write a trade. You could write a trade on, on Twitter, like about the best email marketing tools, and you mention your software as one of the best. So, list the features and on. You could also create a carousel, like on LinkedIn. So, a carousel on LinkedIn where you highlight the best um, email marketing tools. So, and you could also promote it on other social media platforms. So that could typically work on social media. So aside from that, for other um, bottom of the funnel content pieces, I would recommend if you, you don't want to rely on Google alone. So I would also recommend exploring paid ads. So you could explore Facebook ads, Google ads, Twitter ads. I, I would even say most especially you should explore retargeting ads. So that way, maybe someone that has stumbled on a specific post on your website, so you could retarget them with that ads, okay, so that they could um, see where you compare your software against a competitor or alternatives to a competitor. So these are some of the ways you could typically promote articles like this. I'm going to put you on the spot here, but let's apply what you've talked about to an example case. So say we have a product that is, uh, yeah, 50 to 100 US dollars a month, SaaS product. So what would be the steps that you would go through to create this middle and bottom funnel content plan for this type of SaaS tool? Okay, <laughs> so that's um, really interesting. It all boils down to the process that we use at our agency. So we call it um, ROI-driven content marketing framework. So because like, just like what I've said so far, our goal is to ensure that our clients drive ROI. They, they get more user signups and paying customers from content marketing. So we have a five-phase framework. So the, the first part of that framework is we usually start with customer research, okay, or audience research, as you put it. So we try to understand, like, who the target, target audience are. Who are the best customers? So why do they sign up for, for the software? So what are the, the problems that is keeping them awake at night? So, like, we typically focus on identifying the pain points and the jobs to be done. Okay, so what are their pay points and what are their jobs to be done? So that is like how we, we get started. So, but for us to get this information, we tend to interview. So if I'm doing this for a SaaS company, so what I would do is like, uh, first and foremost, I will have um, a one-on-one with the founder. Okay, I would like to know what exactly is their founding story. Why did they build this software? So what is the opportunity in the market? Like, why do they believe that their software could solve the problem of 
the target audience. So that's the first people who like to have conversations with. We also like to have conversations with the sales department. So we, we reach out to the sales department to ask them a series of questions to know who are the best customers, like what was the best deal that they closed maybe in the previous year. And we also like to know like what are some of the companies that the, the customers mentioned typically that they were using before signing up for their software. So we, we ask them a series of questions. Then we also interview the support department. So, okay, we want to know how, what are the questions that their, their customers are typically asking them. So that way, that will help us to identify the, the pain point. So with all these, like the interview with the founder, the sales department and the, the support, we have a robust, we have an overview of what the software is about and what it does. So that now brings us to the next part, which is the content strategy. So for the content strategy, we, we because content strategy is more or less like setting up the foundation for, for what we want to do. So uh, we typically say that creating content without a strategy is like building a house without a solid foundation. Okay, so if you build a house without a solid foundation, the house reward, it will collapse. So the same way if you create content without a solid content strategy, it will fall flat. So that's why we we move after that, we we, we go ahead to the, the content strategy part. So this is where we like all the information, we try to, validate them into keywords, okay? So because we know that people typically search keywords on Google. So it might not be the information that the founder mentioned to us. It might not really be relevant when people are searching for Google. So this is where we now um, use that information to create a content strategy. How do we want to go about these keywords? Which one do we target first? And on and on, how do we promote them? And, and so on. So like that's the second part of the, the framework. And the third part, which is the most important, is the content production part. So this is where we get all the pieces of information that we need. So because one thing is that not all content writers can create a bottom of the funnel content piece. And even most importantly, most companies are not giving content writers the opportunity or let me say everything that they need to create a bottom of the funnel content piece. So because bottom of the funnel content piece, you must understand how the product works. Because if you don't understand how the product works, how will you convince a reader, someone searching on Google, how will you convince them to use the software? It is not possible. Okay, so that's why when we are when we want to do content production, we typically get access to the software. So, of course, we could have maybe someone on the team to walk us through how it works. Even aside from that, we also play around with the software, try to know how everything works. We also check all these review websites like Captera, G2, Trust Reduce, especially if you are writing a a comparison post to see how people are talking about the competitors, what do they find useful, what do they not find useful. And we also interview a subject matter expert in the company to know what are the best features that we could list for this this, um, company that maybe their competitors do not have. Okay, so because we want to leverage on that, with that, we, we try as much as possible to create a robust content so that uh, that, that um, gets the results that the client um, wants. So once we have done that, then the, the, the last two parts is the fourth part is the content promotion part. So typically, I, I think we've already mentioned what we do there previously. So, but typically we also want to, if the article is not ranking, we want to get backlinks to them, targeted backlinks. Then finally, the, the content conversion tracking uh, and attribution. So we want to attribute. So if the client doesn't have goals set up in Google Analytics and all those other um, parts, we also try to do that for them to ensure that we are properly tracking the conversions from the 
the content. So that's um, like a, an overview of how our approach is. Yeah, it's very in-depth. Just going back a couple of steps here. So the first stage was was doing the audience research, if I recall correctly. When it comes down to building out the strategy, how many topics do you try to tackle at once? So, for example, do you suggest that a founder try and hit, you know, five or 10 articles a month? Or is there a certain number they should aim for to get that first chunk of work done? Well, that depends on the founder. And also it depends on like how much the company is willing to invest in content marketing and how fast they want to go. Okay, so some companies like to take things slowly while some want an uh, like an aggressive approach to it let me put it that way so it depends so but typically i would say at least they should try to aim for four pieces per month at least so that will mean one article per week so that gives you a lot of opportunities to get results so but anything lower than that it might be difficult to to gain traction so Say this example company, and I should have been a bit more explicit beforehand, say it's an email marketing tool, they're doing four pieces per month. Around how long do you think it would take for them to see see results? So you mentioned before that it should rank fairly quickly because you're targeting underserved keywords. So would it be the case that they would see it in a month or two? Or what are your thoughts? Of course, I would say they will typically see results in a month or two or three, like based on our experience. So as I mentioned, all these keywords are underserved, even across all, let me not say all, but across most categories. So all these are underserved keywords. If you check Google for any of those comparison posts, like as you mentioned, an email marketing software, if you check Google for comparison posts that we've mentioned previously, you see that most of the, Articles ranking are either from review websites or affiliate marketing websites. So it will be difficult for you to see an email marketing software ranking for these keywords. So if you own an email marketing software and you target any of these keywords, okay, so your chances of ranking high is is pretty much there. Then also your chances of getting conversions is there. Like maybe I should cite an example with one of our clients. We started working with them about six months ago. As at the last time I checked, within six months, we helped them to drive over 1,300 signups within six months from these um, articles. Though they are not in, an, in the email marketing software niche. So like that, that just shows you from the first month, we started getting um, results from them. I think they, for the first month, we got about 44 organic sessions, but that month they got two user signups from the articles. And from the second month, the number of organic sessions and articles have increased. So that is um, typically how, what we see. Yeah. Fantastic. It, That's actually a really interesting point there that you mentioned for the email marketing tool example, that most pages ranking on the, on the first page will be, you know, G2, Captera and affiliate websites is the reason why an email marketing tool product itself will rank higher and faster is because they have more authority in the eyes of Google, or is there something else that would make them rank faster? Yes, I would say because they have more topical authority in the eyes of Google. So because as an email marketing software, Google already sees them as such. So and most yeah. likely, I believe most of the backlinks that they've acquired will be reference, referencing them as an email marketing software. And also another most important point is that they know the industry more than these other um, companies that are ranking for it because an affiliate marketer might not even know anything about the email marketing software niche. They don't know the pain points of someone looking for an email marketing software. So if as an email marketing software, you could now create an article, the bottom of the funnel article, your article will feel more 
much more authoritative because you know what the prospects in your niche, what they are looking for. So you have an idea of how everything works in your industry. So that gives you more leverage to attract um, all these um, other articles that are there. Of course, it, they they might have backlinks, but if you could, if you have a decent domain authority and you could create better content that is much more authoritative, I believe um, you you perform much more better. Second last question, just before we go, for people who want to look up some good examples of companies who who do this really well, which brands would you recommend them to have a look at? Yeah, so there, there are a lot of um, examples that are, that are out there. One that, that comes to mind is Podia. So Podia is an online learning management software, if I'm not mistaken. So whereby you can host your courses, your eBooks, your webinars. So they have nailed this comparison like niche more than any competitor. And I see some of their competitors are trying to catch up with them. So if you check Podia, they are ranking for, search for Podia versus any of their competitor. You see them ranking on Google for, for it. So that's a very good um, example. So another example that I see is Pipedrive. So Pipedrive is in the same category as, is a CRM software, I believe. So is is in the same category as HubSpot, Salesforce, and the rest of them. So they've also leveraged this strategy to to grow. Then another example I see that I would like to mention, but that is for templates. So for templates, I see Signaturely. So they, they do something really amazing. It's an online signature tool. So it helps people sign signatures online. So they, they do something really amazing with these um, templates. So they've created contract templates because that is um, the niche of their target audience. So they created all these contract templates, more than 40 of them, and they are doing really well on Google. So these are some examples that I would like to mention. Yeah, fantastic. All right. We're just about out of time. But before we go, for people who want to learn more about you and your content, Mark, where should they go? For those that want to learn more about me, I'm most active on like on LinkedIn and Twitter. So you could search LinkedIn, Abdul Geni Shehu. So I don't know if there's a reason for me to spell out that. Or... I will put it in the show notes. Okay, I'm sure. sure. Um, yeah. So um, <laughs> so you could search um, Abdul Geni Shew on LinkedIn. I'm very active there. I'm also active on Twitter as well. So at Abdul Geni Shew. So at Abdul Geni Shew. So and for our website, um, yourcontentmath.co. So that is um, our website, yourcontentmath.co. Fantastic. I'll put links to everything in the show notes. Otherwise, Abdul, thank you so much. Yeah, it was um, a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you very much for having me. 